I'm Justin Snyder. And I'm Stephanie Greenwood Snyder. We're just an average everyday couple. But over the years, we've seen the incredible importance of building community together. We'll be talking with friends and experts about their stories and experiences to help us learn and grow. We don't want to just survive through life. We want to intentionally thrive. This is The Intentional Thriver. Welcome back to another episode of The Intentional Thriver. We have with us two very special people. I, th- I think we say that a lot, that the people are special. These two do foot the bill. They are uh, special people. So, <laughs> And we're so excited and about that. And we are very excited to have that, because obviously we, we never say that we either, that we're excited that. to have our guests. But we legitimately are. We are very happy to have Hansu and Sarah Kim with us how are you guys? Doing good. We're we're good. Happy <laughs> we're to good. Be Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, we always like to start the show. Something we appreciate and admire about our guests. And after racking my brain, I finally came up with something for, for Hansu. Sarah was easy. Hansu. Eh. No, it was like two seconds. Sarah and Hansu are incredibly generous people. That was yeah. like the first thing that came to my mind. Like Sarah is a big part of helping with um, like the the kids program and working with kids um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And that um, is exhausting. <laughs> like we have the two kids and we're like, nope, that's, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. we're done. Two and, two, and, and, two and good. So And both of our kids went through a stage of like that screaming, like mother is ripping me from your wound. <laughs> like, no, child, you are just going to be bold at Wanted oh, to hang yes. out with you. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, when they go to the... When they go to someone else. And yes. then they're fine, like so yes. fast. But it's just, I just have so much thankfulness for so Sarah's much respect. level-headedness yes. and uh, kind words and encouragement. And, yes, and generosity of time and yeah. spirit and kindness. And, and we've and, seen such growth with our kids and yeah. they're just little yeah. so thank testimonies you. of... Thank you for all you do for them. Um, and then Hansu as well. Hansu and I met, uh, man, it was about a year ago Yeah. now, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, ish. And Hansu and I are actually, <laughs> this is going to weird some people out. We're actually part of a fight club, but um, <laughs> not can't. like the David Fincher movie kind. Yeah, with, they you can know, talk about it. So. Like I know Hansu <laughs> and I look like we're, you know, these super intense, you know, ripped boxers and fighters, but um <laughs> shocking surprise we're not yeah uh no it's like an accountability group with a few of us guys that get together and we just you know kind of talk about life and what's going on and it's been i don't know i i don't want to speak for you hansu but i i think it's been pretty cool oh great okay yeah we got great guys and uh yeah we have some uh we share a lot of really cool things and i've definitely grown um just from the time that we bought together so it's been good can you share a little bit about your backgrounds and who you guys are and just, you know, who who are the Kims? I actually grew up around here in Georgia um, to an awesome family. I like, grew up in the church. About I always knew Jesus. I have two other sisters. Not other. Two sisters. Um, I'm the oldest. And... Um, Went to Stanford University for school. I wanted to study church music there, which I did. I like felt a calling in high school to pursue ministry and didn't super know what that looked like. Mm. And I've just been following that calling ever since. And that's what's led to me, led me to where I am now, but also what led me to Hansu. Um, Cause I'd moved all the way to Wisconsin at one point to work at a church up there. Um, Really cool, awesome God story, all that stuff. But yeah, that's where I met Hansu. And now I live back in Georgia. Moved here during COVID in like late 2020, just to be close to family. It's like the worst and best time to move, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and now we're settled settled down here in Georgia. That's like the quick version for me. I was born in South Korea, um, grew up in New Jersey. Went to school in New York, uh, moved to Wisconsin, lived there for eight years. Um, for a, I moved out there for a job. Uh, I'm fast forwarding like crazy through. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is like the Sarah version, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, so that's how I ended up in Wisconsin. I, I got a job out there and I moved out there uh, out of the blue. Um, didn't know anybody. Didn't wow. have friends or family out there. Yeah, Same thing with Sarah. She uh, just had a calling. And again, we can expand more on that later. But That's, uh, that's courageous. That, that is a is. tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. We got engaged in Wisconsin. We did. Which is oh, wi- that's also a, that's wild. That's a story in and of itself. And but I spent that's... a summer in Wisconsin and... Nothing against Wisconsin, but eight years is a long time to be in Wisconsin. Man, talking smack I, about Wisconsin. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I was up in the in the. I apologize to all our Wisconsin <laughs> listeners. Oh, there's a lot of snow up there, and I'm from the Northeast. Like, but you, there's a lot of snow in Wisconsin. Okay, I'm done. Wisconsin's beautiful. All it's, the lakes. Oh, it's and, beautiful yeah. during the summer. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead, Hansu, before, before we lose all our Wisconsin listeners. That's how I ended up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Met Sarah a few years into living there. Um, we actually met on a, well, a friend of ours who worked at the same church that Sarah worked at introduced us. Yeah. So that's how we met. We did a, it was a blind date for coffee. Yeah. That turned into dinner and all night. Not all night. <laughs> all night. <laughs> Come on. Ooh, do tell. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. We've been together ever since. So we got, you know, yeah. we got married, like Sarah said. We wow. uh, moved here to Georgia to be closer to her family a few years ago. Um, so that's a bit about me. I guess I didn't talk about what I do. I do I healthcare, IT, consulting. And I work in kids ministry at church. That's right. So, okay. So you guys moved from Wisconsin in 2020, which again, is a, a story in and of itself. And I'm sure mm-hmm. in coming down to Georgia, being close to family and things like that. Yeah. Um, finding a house. Finding a house, all, all of that journey. That market, but yeah. specifically over the past, what, eight, nine months to a year, you, you guys have had some pretty crazy stuff going on and, and happening in your lives. Can you talk a little bit about that, about like what's been going on with you for the Again, almost the past year, a little less than that. Yeah. So um, I'll tell the story and um, let me know if I'm being too detailed and I'm going too slowly. And then we just tell we me did that. a really quick overview on our like entire lives, but we'll get super <laughs> detailed. The last nine months. <laughs> sounds good. Um, so yeah, last last fall, I had a routine eye exam. You know, as you can see, I wear glasses, so every year I go in and just. Do a normal checkup, make sure my prescription's still correct, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I went to that optometrist, had my eye exam, and as part of that, they, you know, you take a light and they examine the back of your eyes. And uh, the optometrist noted that I had some pretty severe swelling in my optic nerve. So she said, uh, like, yo, this is very concerning. Like, we want you to go see a uh, neuro ophthalmologist like, as soon as possible. So they actually had me wait uh, in the room while they were calling up some a doctor oh, that my. they knew to see if she could see me that day. Um, she was able to squeeze me in the next day, so I had got the appointment scheduled. Went to see the neuro ophthalmologist. Um, they did an exam and um, basically confirmed what the optometrist had found. And um, it kind of started off this whole month of. Uh, like tests and uh, appointments to figure out what was going on. Um, ultimately, they found after an MRI that I had this uh, really serious brain condition called hydrocephalus. Mm. Uh, so uh, at, as soon as we, we had that diagnosis, we were referred to a neurosurgeon and told, like we met with a surgeon and the surgeon just told us like, all right, like this is the surgery that I want you to have. So we went from knowing nothing, like nothing yeah, was wrong. Like I didn't have any symptoms. Wow. Um, I didn't have any inclination that anything was wrong yeah. uh, to like being told we would, I would need brain surgery in wow. months. Wow. So uh, yeah, that was a very crazy mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so we, so I had the surgery like a week later, um, yeah. it was all very quick, very quick, fast forward. Uh, so like I had the surgery, everything went great. Um, okay. I was recovering and I started to, um, feel pretty sick. 
for a few days. So I um, talked to my surgeon and he said, it might be normal for recovery, but we'll get you a CT scan. Um, so I was, I was, I was so sick. I couldn't get out of bed. Like that's how, that's how bad it was. Uh, but by the time I had my appointment for, to get my uh, CT, um, I was feeling better. So I thought everything was fine. Uh, but we had the CT and the, my surgeon called me back after the, he saw the images and said, Hey, your swelling is back. Mm. And we don't know why we don't know what's happening, but, um, if you're feeling fine, like that's great, but we're going to like talk to your neuro-ophthalmologist and kind of like figure out what's, what's next. And and the swelling was like back to the point of like square one, right? When, before yeah, you had was. even gone through the first brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It was back to yeah, pretty much the level that it was before. Right. That's what they that's when you went to the your yeah. ophthalmologist yeah. again. They like ran more tests and they said that it looks it was actually worse than that. Or even wow. worse. Like I remember talking to Sarah and she's like, Oh yeah, he's like ready to get back to work. So excited. Mm. And then the week later, Sarah's like, He can't get out of bed. Like I was like, yeah. Whoa, what just happened? Yeah. So that yeah, we found out all that stuff. Uh yeah. And at that point you were like and I've gotten back to normal. Yeah. So that was the weird thing. Yeah. I, I was so super weird. normal for the most part. Um, I yeah, went back to work, was trying to just catch up on everything I missed because I was I was down for about a month. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to catch up on life. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had an MRI earlier this year to just kind of get a better picture of what was going on. And the surgeon confirmed like the swelling is it's still there. So we found out I would need another surgery. So I had that surgery um, back in March of this year. And uh, that's gone uh, better as far as we know. Yeah, but I mean, these these are not small surgeries, right? Like, again, this is this is brain surgery both both times. This isn't like, oh, we'll just, you know do a little tweak here and there. Like this is, yeah. we've seen Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, like we're medical experts, we you know, that's very scary. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not making light of it. As far as brain surgery goes, it's not like the craziest, most invasive, most dangerous kind of surgeries, but it's still yeah. brain surgery. It's still brain surgery. Um, so it was pretty, you know, scary just to yeah. like go through all that. But what I had was called an ETV. Um, which stands for an endoscopic third ventriculostomy. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, basically, they went in and like poked a hole in my brain to help the fluid that was trapped like to flow out. Um, have like an alternate route. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, they don't know why sometimes ETVs fail. They just yeah. don't work. Um, like the hole is still there. It's there's no, it's not covered up or anything, but um, it just doesn't drain out correctly. So then the second surgery I had was to get um, a shunt, a VP shunt. So it's uh, a tube that basically drains the, the fluid out of my brain into my abdominal cavity. When I hear your guys' story of what you've been going through for the last year, honestly, one of the biggest things, that age old question of like, man, why do bad things happen to good people? And and again, like define good, bad, all, all those things. But really, like when I think of quote unquote good people, like for those listening, the, the Kims are those. Like they're good people. Yeah. Like again, Sarah is like works in a nonprofit with kids. <laughs> like they are incredibly generous. They are incredibly yeah. kind people. Yeah. And it's like, man, something just out of the blue, like brain surgery, just boom out of the blue that just said like, completely interrupts your life mm-hmm. that the first time going through all the, the frustration I'm sure. And, and pain of like the first time going through it and then having to go through that again, what has that been like working through the frustration, the unfairness and the pain of that situation? Good question. Yeah. Um, um, but like just the first thing that comes to my mind is um, like obviously what happened was really hard and scary, but we also know so many people who've gotten through like even harder and even scarier. And I always wonder how people can walk through hard things without having like faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, it sounds kind of like cliche to say, but like, honestly, at the end of the day, that's, that was the biggest thing that got us through it all. And that gave us hope. Um, Yeah. And I thought about that a lot. I was like, I don't know how we would do this Mm -hmm. without, without knowing him. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of all happened so fast that we were processing it in the, in the moment. Um, had to process things like really quickly and some of it like we didn't even process I don't think for for a little while just because like life kept life kept going and like pushing forward even though we just wanted to like stay in the moment but that was probably a good and a bad thing because you just had to just deal with it and Mm -hmm. face it yeah yeah what did you say I think that's it (laughs) (laughs) ditto (laughs) She she solved solved all the problems, <laughs> all the answers. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, it's no, perfect for you too. Like having like you were the one who yeah. was really going. Yeah, um, and I I talked with, about this with you, uh, you know, the last few months. But yeah, um, the first one, the first surgery, it just happened so fast. Mm. From going from you know finding out about my diagnosis to having surgery was a week. Hmm. So there was just no time to really uh, like be scared or to be frustrated or any of that. It was almost just this like, all right, like, you know, I have, I have a, I have these three meetings next week and then I have surgery. Like it was kind of, it felt very like Like matter of fact and routine to have to just like, like surgery is just like the next thing we do. Like that's kind of how it felt. Um, I definitely like we had moments where it was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm having brain surgery in like three days. Like yeah. this is crazy. But uh for the most part, there wasn't this like, oh like why me? Or um yeah, there just like wasn't a lot of that leading up to the first one. Yeah. Um I think we were more almost amazed that we had we found out about it. Like that was a huge God thing in itself. And I don't know if that <clears throat> helped make it less of like a blow I guess I don't know it was just like oh my gosh like that's amazing that the eye doctor even like was able to see that and that you went up at the right time I would think Mm -hmm. for them for you to show like internal symptoms but not like external stuff and so yeah 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 I I think we're kind of blown away with that yeah for the first one at least yep um so that's how the first one went and um our community was so supportive like we had so many friends and family co-workers um like there were some people like reaching out sending like some care packages and food and you know all sorts of things and it just felt uh like it was really comforting just to have community care for us in that way yeah the second surgery was where um that kind of frustration and you know, all that kind of emotion came yeah. on more into it because, um, but it, it's, it seems silly to say it out loud and it's not logical, but I had a sense of guilt. Mm. Like I, you know, I had no control over it. Right. This right. is that was happening with my brain. I didn't choose to, to have the surgery fail or, um, have my brain produce fluid in this way. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know any of that. Um, it's not in my control yet. I had this sense of like, oh, like I had all these people praying for me and caring for me. And, uh, the first surgery like happened and I, you know, like as far as people knew, like everything was great. And then, you know, to come back around and to go like, oh, we have to go through all this again so soon after that first one. Sure. That was just, and, and yeah, just like all the other kind of normal emotions with like feeling like you have to go through something like that again, um, knowing how hard it was. Like I had to move mountains to miss a whole month of work, yeah. right? Um, I had to uh, mentally prepare myself for uh, just the, the pain of going through surgery and then the, the whole recovery process and uh, thinking like, oh, I just got through all that and then I have to go through it again, like so soon. Um, that was much harder to deal with. It was much more frustrating. I will say, I'll be honest, I, I don't know if I really handled it that well. 
uh, at least uh, like leading up to the surgery, I was just trying to keep it together. Just trying to um, convince myself, like, I just got to get through this and, um, you know, I'll come out on the other side and everything will be fine. And I was trying not to like think about it too much, trying not to feel too much about it. But afterward, like after the surgery and like everything was great, where I should have been grateful, I just felt more like angry mm-hmm. and frustrated. Um, it was like all that stuff that I was kind of just like bottling up, you know, uh, it all came out yeah. at, after the second surgery. So it was like, second surgery was great and it was successful and I was physically, I was getting better. But on the inside, I was, just, um, that was probably the hardest time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like processing this right now, actually, as we're talking. So I don't know, but we, I, I don't know if this played into it too, but like we actually could have had the second surgery as the first surgery. Mm-hmm. And like we chose to do, to try yeah. the first one, yeah. the lesson thinking that it would work and that like feeling like it was the best option. And even in the first surgery, that was another opportunity for us to have had the second surgery because there were some things that came up and we still, I, we still kind of pushed for the first one. And so I, I don't know, like just, just processing this here. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that, that like could have played into it a little bit of, a, of wow. like a, yeah. not guilt, but just like, ah, uh, if we obviously had known what we know now, which that's how everything is always, you know, but if we had known. Yeah, if I had done the shunt first. Yeah, then, oh, we wouldn't have had to, but then when we wonder if the yeah, first thing no, would have been better. Try. So that that was hard too, just kind of knowing in hindsight, like, oh man, like we could have avoided this in a way, but obviously, you know, everything, I would say, I don't know if that's cliche, but happens for a reason, but you know. <laughs> in it either way so yeah um you had mentioned how like your relationship with jesus and having jesus in your life how that was a big part of you being able to work through and process some of that can can you expound on that a little bit more of like how did that work how did you know having a relationship with jesus help comfort you and help you process and work through some of that yeah that's good um Honestly, like it came and and went, I guess I would say like there were obviously moments where I held on to that stronger than others, but I think it was just this underlying um, knowing that God is in control of everything. And even though we didn't know what the outcome was going to be and we didn't know that you like had this, um, this like problem, God did and he knew, he knew exactly when you had it which i guess was when you were born um and exactly when we would find out about it and exactly how the surgeries went and so just knowing that he goes in front of us and beside us and all all the ways to make a way for us and um that that just gave me peace just knowing that at least he knew what was going to happen and i like to know all the things i'm very much a planner (laughs) i like to experience things like first before I'm like, sure, I'll jump into that or whatever. <laughs> um, obviously, none of that. Like I I have never had any surgeries besides getting one wisdom tooth out. Um, <laughs> so there were obviously a number, like infinite unknowns. Um, so that, that just gave me peace knowing that somebody knew. Um, I just kind of rest in that. And it gave me yeah, hope that things would turn out. And I think you, like Hansu is a very, I don't, I don't know if like, I don't want to say stoic. He doesn't not have feelings and emotions, but he does not like show them in like crazy, not crazy ways, but big ways I might. Um, And so that helped a little too, because I just kind of like fed off of him and he was still very like calm and contemplative I feel like and like processing and I tried very hard not to put my anxiety worry feelings on him by being like hey you like how are you 
feeling about everything? Yeah, like, it's tough. are you worried about the surgery that's coming out? Because I, I would just be a basket case. So mm-hmm. that helped me to just kind of be like, okay, if he's not freaking out and this is happening to him, mm-hmm. then like, surely I don't need to freak out because it's not happening to me directly. Right. So there were moments where I didn't know, like you said about yourself, like I didn't know if I was handling it well or the right way. Sure. Just not knowing what the right way to like walk through something like this with somebody is Uh, you know and not not knowing if I was processing it the right right way or if I was being like your partner in the right way with this and everything um but obviously everyone processes things different there is no right way so we made it through so I'd say that's good letting you process and just trying to be the best that I could be alongside you, yes. <laughs> you didn't do that. Aww, that's amazing. And, and then Hansu, from from your side of the street, you know, you were saying, especially after the second surgery, because there was a lot more time, not only leading up to that second surgery, but also you know the recovery afterward, to kind of sit and process and be like, this is very frustrating and unfair, and I'm I'm mad about like I'm angry and very validly so honestly um what has that been like like how have you been able to navigate and work through that frustration I mean even I'm sure there are still components of that I mean I'm sure that for both of you guys there's still the question of why swirling around in there and you know Mm -hmm. we probably will never know I, I think every single person in some point in their life has sat back, whether they're a person of faith or not, and sat back and like, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, how how have you kind of worked through that, Hansu, and processed that? I don't know if it's just in our culture or if it's more universal um, around the world, but we use a lot of uh, like war metaphors or like fighting metaphors when we talk about uh, medical things. Like you're in cancer you're battling cancer right like like the way that we talk about our health issues and and how we're struggling through them we use a lot of like war imagery that's interesting mm-hmm. and, and this is just like something that i'm like i'm like connecting the dots right now like as we're talking um after like as as i talked about like the first surgery it just came up so fast and then the second one it just felt like it was right on the heels of the first one and so uh, there wasn't a, like a whole lot of time to process everything and to just feel that, you know, frustration and anger and fear and all of that. And so, yeah, like after that second surgery, when I was recovering, that's when there was suddenly a lot of time. And it to you to use that like war analogy, it kind of felt like like after the war, like there's all this destruction and devastation, and you're just like analyzing, like, okay, what exactly happened? Because while you're while you're in war, you're just desperately struggling to survive, and then at the end, suddenly everything's quiet, and wow, yeah, it's just all time to look back and analyze everything, and think about things maybe too much, right? And worry, like, oh, did I do the right thing? Like how how did I handle this? Um, so it's kind of that's how I would say it felt like after that second surgery, like during during that time of recovery, it just felt. Like everything was in shambles. I was grateful to like have gone through the surgeries and be alive and to be like recovering and have had a successful surgery as far as I knew. Uh, But it was, yeah, just like that, that uh, space to suddenly be like, oh my gosh, like what did I just go through? Yeah. What did we just, uh, fight our way through and what are we staring at for the future? Like, what are we looking at right now? And I, I guess I didn't uh, finish talking about this to answering your previous question, but um, it, you know, up to that point, I it was kind of like shutting God out. Like I was praying, I was asking for all these things. I was asking for uh, good health and recovery, but, I was also just like 
I was angry, right? Like, I was like, I don't know why you are letting me go through this, Lord, and I don't know, like, what what the future holds. And I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to admit that that's what I was feeling, but that's what I was feeling. And honestly, what brought me out of it was this uh, opportunity to share at church. Mm. Um, so when I, when I first got a text, um, you know, I was in like week two or three of recovering. I like, I had been laying in, in bed ouch for the last three weeks. I was like, my phone was never with me. I was like never checking it. I was just like doing nothing. And I get a text uh, asking if I'd be willing to share my story at church. And and I, I like, I wasn't feeling it. I was like, uh, like I was kind of noncommittal with my responses. I asked some questions about what they wanted. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of like left it open-ended. Like I wasn't really saying no, but it's kind of like gave them the hint that maybe I wasn't that interested. Uh, but the person who was texting me, like, I'm so thankful that she just like kept persisting. She kept like texting. Uh, and then she set up a call with, uh, somebody else at church who, um, I, I had a phone conversation with him and that moment was like the Holy spirit, like mm-hmm. down and picking me up and putting me on my, uh, it was, I mean, it was surreal. I was, uh, like again, like I hadn't, I was trying not to, uh, like talk to God. I was just like avoiding things. I was avoiding my, and, um, just in that it couldn't have been more than 10 minutes, a 10 minute conversation with a friend at church who said, Hey, like we want to, we want you to share your story of like what you have gone through, what you're still going through. And it's not something that is neatly packaged up. Yep. It's not something, you know, like, Hey, like this, I went through this and this is the lesson I've learned. And like, God is great. And yeah. hooray. And yeah. Everything's, right. Yeah. It's not, it's no. I'm going through this right now. And I'm still declaring that God is good. Yeah. That's so powerful. I, like, to be able to say that. Uh, and like, I have a goosebumps right now. It's like talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, he just like reframed everything in that perspective for me. And again, it's just like the Holy Spirit, like speaking to me directly and like, you have to, you have to do this. Mm, yeah. So it went from me, like me wanting to not do it. It was like my decision. Like, I don't really care. It, and it became like, it became God's decision. It's like, his, wow. this is his story to share. Yeah. This is his, like my life belongs to him and what he's doing in my life. Like, I can go along for the ride or I can, you know, like get dragged along and, you know, and if it happens, I anyway. So, uh, yeah. so really it was like that. I, I pointed that phone conversation as the moment where it just like all turned around for me. Wow. I was, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get back up. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to try to avoid my feelings. Um, right. back to, to praying and talking to God and, all that. And then uh, you guys know like how it went, like yep. sharing my story, like that was just an incredible experience. And so many people have come up to me, even now, like people will come yeah. up and hey, like, were you the one who <laughs> like, you, do you share your story at Easter? And um, it's just such an incredible thing to have been able to have my story um, encourage people in that way. Oh, it was so powerful. Yeah, I was right. weeping. I was I was by myself because Justin was on camera. Granted, Stephanie never cries. <laughs> Dude, right. No, but it was like next level. And Justin's on the camera and I'm like as close to the camera as I can be because I went to the second service and none of my friends were there. <laughs> and um, so I'm just like weeping. And I look over at Justin and he normally does not like make any contact, eye contact right, when I'm, he's on I'm camera. It's so funny. He looked at me and he went, Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It, it was, was powerful. So powerful. Was powerful. And I mean, I just, the power is in the story, right? And yeah. I think that that's such a wonderful example of how God wants to use those moments in a full circle mm-hmm. way, you yeah. know? And I truly don't, I truly believe that healing only can happen when you start sharing and you start using your story for others others goods yeah. others 
good. There we go. Mm-hmm. The good of others. The good of others. Thank you. You're welcome. But I, I just, I mean, and sometimes that's like two people. In your case, it was like two million people. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's well, two million and two. Now that you're sharing it on the podcast, <laughs> we have two followers. <laughs> Our moms. Right. <laughs> and actually, now, actually, moms. I don't think my mom listens. That's right. Your mom doesn't. My mom. <laughs> oh, my word. No, that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's really amazing, Hansu. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And and I hope that's an encouragement to people that like to, to ask some. Uh, and we're going to talk about like how, how can people come around and support you? Because mm-hmm. I think that's something that is always awkward because every situation is different. Everybody is different. Um, their level of contact is different. Their ability, you know, like can Justin and the fight club were like, do we all go? Do one of us bring right. dinner? You know, like all those questions. And so of course we're just going to hear your, uh, your way experience of being experience and, of being yeah. supported. And we actually had another interview with a couple who adopted and went through a very um, challenging time. And I remember trying to support them while they walked through that. And in our podcast years later, they were like, well, you couldn't support us. Like that was, that's just the the harsh reality. Yeah, you did not, not understand. Not in a negative way toward no. us. It's just, a, th- right. it was just a different season and there's only so much. Right. You can understand. That you can do and understand yeah. to, to, support and right. be there and love on. So. And so they found support in a group of people that understood. And I need to not feel like, oh, like I failed them. Like they, right. I didn't. That was the support they needed. But I think hearing from you guys in your experience, how did community come and support you? What were ways that were really helpful? What were ways that maybe you would encourage someone to rethink? You know? <laughs> so what, what was your experience with the support side of things? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was just so grateful for anybody to, uh, like anybody who texted or called, Mm -hmm. like you guys brought us dinner, um, a a bunch of other folks brought us in, you know, like there are just so many, um, different instances of support in small ways and big ways. And, um, I was just grateful for all of it. I don't think like I evaluated any of it as like, uh, oh, like I don't really care about this. I don't need this. Sure. So, so like I, I had coworkers send me gifts. Like I didn't expect that. Like I had coworkers oh. who I've never met because I work remotely. Wow. So they're they're in another state. Yeah. And I just started getting like, Amazon packages showing up yeah. on our doorstep. Nice. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like you know, like it was just yeah, crazy. So sweet. Uh, so at least at least for for me, and I don't. I guess I don't want to speak for you, but just for us, um, just having people like show us that they cared mm-hmm. like that was that was the the best thing that we could have had yeah. um it's because it's not like you know someone else could have you know had my surgery for me or right exactly with that it, so i didn't expect anything at all anyway so mm-hmm. it was just um, amazing to have people just care for yeah. us yeah yeah that was amazing hmm. i would say something that i didn't think that I needed or wanted that like I ended up really appreciating more than I understood that I would was having people come and sit in mm. the hospital oh, wow. while Hansu had a surgery. The first sure. first and second surgery, some people came and sat. And I mean, if you had asked me, I would have been like, no. And I think probably they did ask. And I was like, you don't have to do that. Mm. I mean, especially like people down here, you know, yeah. traveling, traveling Atlanta or whatever, yeah. uh, and coworkers who, I mean, I can't, was it ever, I don't remember what day it was. It was, uh, Friday. yeah. So they, they technically had off that day, but they still came and sat and mm. it just, it's, it spoke, um, yeah, just like volumes to me, wow. um, that they, um, and just wanted to be there with me. And, you know, you, you don't think about, how, oh, it's a few hours. There's only so much you can do and stay in a few hours. So having having people there to just kind of take your mind off things or be there when you get a call about how the surgery is going, it just was big. And my family, too, and Hansu's family, his parents came and stayed. Oh, um, 
which was super nice. And that they got all that together in just like a week, especially for the first surgery. Um, so we felt, we felt super loved and prayed for. Um, we definitely did not, did not doubt that people were behind us and praying for us. And we definitely felt that. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. That is. And to your credit, I'm sure there are people listening to this and they're like, how do I get that community? How do I get that kind of support? You guys support other people. I mean, on a daily basis, like you guys, like Justin said at the beginning are so giving and so generous with your, not just your time, your, your Your treasure, your, your, all those things, your energy, like you, Mm -hmm. you give such positive encouragement and even to a mom who's struggling because they have a two-year-old that won't let go of them, like your kind smiles and your non-judgmental attitude is like so life-giving. And yeah. so I think that that needs to be said that it was easy to give back in those small ways because you give back to to us and so many others 100%. all the time. And that's just that's just who you guys are. And yeah. so... Yeah. I'm so glad that people rallied around you during this. And I think that um, it's a testimony of good community, of a healthy church, of of so many other elements mm-hmm. that you guys have laid the foundation for, for yeah. a crisis and a, a moment of, I mean, in, in the grand scheme, a moment, you know, obviously it hasn't probably felt like a moment in the last mm-hmm. nine, 10 months, Very long but, <laughs> But in this season of of trial, you know, you've yeah. set yourself up to have that support. So, and and I think that flows really well into the the next question that I want to ask, and that's like based on your guys' experience and what you've gone through, you know, do you have advice? Do you mm-hmm. have information or you know anything that you would want to share to people who may be going through something? You know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be brain surgery, but some kind of unexpected health issue or some kind of unexpected, just frustrating or bad situation or hard season Mm -hmm. that's happened to them. What, what advice would you give or share with them? One thing that we kind of reflected on recently is that I think for, for the first surgery, we were way more kind of like transparent and, um, sharing with people about what we were going through as we like walked through everything. Um, and so it's easier for people to show up and pray for us and care for us because we shared more. And then I think we, when we were thinking about it, the second one just kind of came up so fast. And obviously there are a lot of, um, feelings, um, and hard, like hardness inside about it. And so we don't feel like we were as, um, sharing and transparent and like willing to be cared for. And that's a weird way, but we didn't like give people the opportunity really to like know and care for us in that because we did have some of those like, well, we already did this once. Not that like run out and care runs out. I don't think we were thinking of it from that standpoint, but, um, yeah, just, just, I would say, be open to people caring for you and um, be specific too about about what you need or want. Like I had a friend who just went through something and because I knew how, how important it was to have somebody with you in that, um, you know, she asked if I would come and sit with her and her family in the hospital and I did. And that's not like that's not like shooting my own horn or anything, right, but yeah. I think like going through things also gives you a lens for which to like look at those situations in the future. That's and so because point. I got have this experience with Hansu, I was able to see where she might need something when she went through a similar situation. So hopefully, you know, next time she sees somebody going through that, she'll know how much it meant to have me and other people like standing next to her. Um, but yeah, just, just be like open and willing to have people care for you. I know, like, of course we, in the beginning, we were like, we don't need a like meal train. Like you just don't feel not that you deserve it, but you just don't be like, I mean, I'm here. Like I can cook. It's not like a huge deal that if I have to run to the grocery store and cook, but that was such a huge blessing to us. I didn't have to do 
that, especially those Dr. Hansu really wasn't feeling good and I didn't want to leave him. So just don't be don't be afraid to let people like care for you and love you and don't feel like you're um like a burden to them because a lot of times people want to show you how much they care. Absolutely. And it's like almost blessing them to be able to bless you if that like makes sense in a weird it absolutely is. No, you're exactly right. <laughs> On this side of it, it's not weird at all. Like no. our small group talked about it. They're like, oh my word. And I remember when we were talking about your second surgery and a couple of them were like, what? We didn't know. Like, so I, I we experienced it from this side of not knowing the second time. Um, that, that it was a joy for us to be it able was. to, to do and that. They, and they all wanted to. They're like, okay, yeah. what do we do this time? You know? So I think that that that's that makes so much sense that, and, and I'm not putting you guys down at all for feeling those feelings the second time at all. But I love that you can now be that voice to other people that says like, no, don't take away that that joy of mm-hmm. serving and that blessing that that we get from um, being able to minister yeah, to someone cause, else. Because when you're in true community, it really is a win-win. Mm-hmm. It really is of yeah. like we get the joy of getting to even just interact and see you and check in mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, is everything okay? Like giving us an opportunity, but also like, hopefully it benefits you guys as well yeah. to be able to be like, all right, that's one less thing we have to worry about in a season where there's a million other things that are, you know, fighting for the, 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 the rent inside of our heads right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what about for you, Hansu yeah. with, with going through that, what advice would you have? It's, it's still surreal for me to think about because, uh, like I have probably been to a doctor's office, like before all of this, before this whole ordeal, whatever you want to call it, I, I had been to a doctor's office maybe like 10 times. So to go from that to suddenly like having more appointments and more tests than I've ever had, Mm. like crammed in, uh, you know, a short period of time. Um, it was definitely a very humbling experience to like remember, oh, like first of all, I'm not invincible. I'm not uh I'm I'm prone to issues like anybody else. Like my body is not perfect and I'm gonna need help. Like I can't just do this on my own and mm-hmm. it's not in my control. Um, so I know it sounds kind of cheesy to say like like go to the doctor, like have your appointments, like do do the things that you need to do. Yeah. Um, and then just That's to echo yeah. Address. Yeah. Don't, don't ignore problems. Don't try to brush things off or say like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Um, definitely address things head on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it kind of echoing what, what Sarah said. Uh, yeah. Like I just, I for sure had that like sense of, um, shame and guilt. Again, it's not logical to feel that way. Cause it's not like I had any control over mm-hmm. what I was going through, but it, there was just, I don't know if that was like the enemy, like just to that, like, oh, like people, people have like done enough for you. Like people have their own problems. Like they should, they shouldn't have to like take on this extra burden of, Mm -hmm. of caring or, you know, any, like those kinds of lies. Um, I, I would definitely do that differently. If I could go back, I would like share with more people, like tell them, Hey, like I'm, I'm still going through this. Like I need your help and your prayers. Cause you almost needed people more the second time almost um yeah yeah, yeah. You're more shut oh like, uh, yeah now. i was more shut off second time yeah. around do you think that there is an area that you can thrive in even in a dark seemingly tragic see. yeah That's hard a good hard season like you guys just went through yeah where you feel like you're just surviving like can you still thrive even when you're in a season of surviving yeah mm-hmm. You know, when we when we say the word thrive, there's a a cultural connotation of like like everything is easy and good. Hmm. Like, oh we have like a big nice house and our family is healthy sure. and we're going on vacations and we're eating good food and like everything is is like good, but it's like it's more in like framed around like comfort and luxury. Like that's what we think of when we say we're thriving. Uh, but in reality, like we, we know, 
like spiritually, that's not really what thriving is. It, it's not it's not antithetical to that. It's not that it's exclusive. Sure. Um, if we're that, then we're not actually spiritually thriving. It's that spiritually thriving is something that's different. I I, I want to believe that um, you know you you can thrive in the hard seasons, and not only that. Um, I think we thrive because of the hard things. Mm, wow. wow, that's good. You know, like uh, the what Sarah brought up about how uh, you know when I was going through surgery and um, we had like coworkers and friends come and sit with Sarah like at the hospital while I was having surgery, and then that gave her that perspective like, oh, like this is really nice and this is really comforting to have somebody. And so when uh, her friend was going through a similar kind of thing where she was going through surgery. Like Sarah thought that it would be good to like go and sit with her, her family. Um, like I see that and think, okay, like that is amazing. Like uh, you are spiritually growing mm -hmm. and you're thriving. Uh, we're, we're learning empathy and we're yeah. becoming more Christ-like through this that we go through. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I, I definitely think that we can thrive in the hard seasons. And in fact, we thrive because of them. Oof. Wow, that is so good. I got good. goosebumps now. That is so good. That is good. What does it mean to you guys to intentionally thrive in your life? What, is, what does that look like? Yeah, to thrive is to be connected to God and to uh, be in a process of becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm the way that I would think of thriving. Um, in my external circumstances, my material circumstances, those things can um, go up and down, they can change, but uh, who I am, my identity in Christ and uh, the person that I am becoming, like those things are uh, you know not connected to those material things. And um, I feel like if I can say, I'm uh, connected to God and I'm uh, growing spiritually, then I'm thriving. Wow. I mean, obviously being intentional, I feel like it's more, you know, understandable of a, of a concept than thrive maybe, but um, not just going through the motions and living life just like minute by minute, day to day, just kind of letting life happen to you. Not like you're trying to take control of something because we know we have very little control over it. Um, serve others and grow, especially like in your faith and with Christ, but also in relationships around you. I feel like doing that will only help you grow and lean more into who God's calling you to be and who he wants you to be. Mm -hmm.